Proverbs in chapter 1, and didn't hear from anybody, not that I was supposed to, but I was personally just very thankful for the business meeting. We only have one a year. It took up quite a bit of time, but I think about 70% of it was missions and evangelism, and so I was very encouraged. I've been in 5,263.4 business meetings in my life. And I heard more about missions and evangelism this morning uh, in our business meeting than I've heard in any meeting I've ever been in. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful that that was the main point of discussion. All right, let us look tonight at Proverbs. I do confess Proverbs is going to be a challenge for me. I don't know how to come across on your side of the fence, but it is uh, a whole different animal to be able uh, to exposit Proverbs. So But hopefully we will gain tonight and as we go through this book for the rest of our time throughout the year. Uh, Proverbs 1, and we are in verse 8. We're going to do 8 through 19, and uh, hopefully you'll gain something from this tonight. I've entitled the message, Temptations Must Be Rejected. Temptations Must Be Rejected. Verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction... And forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, and we shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But those, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Well, there's no better example, at least in my mind, in dealing with temptation than the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, in which the devil comes and tempts him. You refer to the story, you can read it later for yourself, but if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. And the Lord Jesus meets all the temptations of the devil with it is written, it is written, it is written. And so he responds in rejection to the temptation, and positively he responds with stating a resolved position on the Word of God. Christ is our example, whatever the temptation is, how to reject it and how to speak against it from a biblical foundation. And so there's much to learn from just meditating upon Christ and how He does that. And then I would say secondarily, I think about martyrs, and I think about those who are persecuted greatly for their faith in different parts of the world even now, that show us, these martyrs show us what it means 
to follow the Lord's example. Now, follow with me a bit, but they stayed, these martyrs I refer to in church history, they stayed true to the Lord Jesus with great temptation. But what is the temptation, the primary temptation many of these martyrs dealt with? The temptation to deny the faith and to recant their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will just say, I'm not going to follow Christ, we won't burn you to death. We won't turn loose the wild beasts to rip you to shreds. If you'll just back off on your position on Christianity. But they stayed true to the Lord with these great temptations. They did not deny their faith. And they did not spare their own lives. Sad but true. In our day, things have become a lot weaker. We live in a world of compromise. We live in a world of carnality. We live in a world of covetousness. We could go on. People, just generally speaking, people sell their souls in order that they can have acceptance on social media. People sell their souls in order to obtain money. They sell their souls to increase their status before men. They sell their souls for external trinkets, for godless relationships, for carnal music, for mind-sucking video games, for pornography, for self-preservation. They sell their souls to this stuff rather than staying true to Christ. Talk about a weak Christianity in America. Here's how weak it is, and this is just general, just a few areas. Jesus gets traded for ball games. Jesus gets traded for athletic hobbies, vacations, companies at my house. I can't come to church. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. Uh, Jesus simply becomes one we love and worship when he's convenient for us. Whole families, I talked to a few today, actually not in our church, but in other places. Whole families skip church because one kid's sick. You think I'm going to stay home because Lydia's got a runny nose. You've got another thing coming. She can stay home and run her nose without me. I'm not even staying home if my dog's sick. But nevertheless, people... It's so weak. People don't tithe. They don't have an allegiance to give 10% unto the Lord, but yet they cough up over $100 a month to pay for their godless phone and $100 for their godless internet and $100 for their godless TV. And we fork out three dollars to $500 a month and we throw a dollar in the offering plate and expect God to bless us somehow. And we could go on. A large portion of Christianity submits to the temptations of the devil to come with him. And to cast their lots in with him. I'll use this word later. We'll talk about it later. This is truly asinine. It's an asinine way to live. Solomon says, hear and do not forsake. Hear and do not forsake. My thesis, the rejection of wise counsel is nigh unto suicide. You say, How can the rejection of wise counsel be nigh unto suicide because of the last line of my text? It takes away the life of its possessors. You forfeit life 
when you will not receive wise counsel. Wise counsel comes from a pulpit. Wise counsel comes from an office meeting. Wise counsel comes when the Word of God is rightly given and rightly applied to the situation. When that's rejected, then the end is you lose your own life. It takes away your own life. All right, let's look at this text tonight in a short fashion. Number one, attraction. Number one, attraction. So you can already write it down. All three points will start with the letter A. That's just the way my brain works. Attraction. Verses 8 and 9, I just want to give the general sense and the meaning. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. And then he gives these phrases that we may not be familiar with. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. If you want a contemporary picture, I don't know, watch the Olympics and see the center podium, the guy or the gal who stands the highest on the podium, and they place this thing around their neck, and there's this gold medal hanging under it. And that position with that medal communicates a sense that there ought to be respect, applause for their discipline, for their effort, for their life. In a sense, they look beautiful on top of the podium with a gold medal around their neck. So as I think about attraction, I think about godly character. Godly character. What is godly character? At least it's this. It's a person who hears instruction. A person who hears instruction must by nature be a person who is teachable. This applies to everybody in the room, preacher as well. Do we have the ability to hear? People who do not hear do not want instruction, and they have no intention of following it. But godly character hears instruction, and we would say a synonym is this, to hear is to receive. I hear people say lots of things that I don't receive, but in a sense here, we need to hear and receive. And I would say that hearing means to be teachable. If you're giving me wise counsel and I hear you, I'm learning. And if I'm learning, I'm trying to figure out how to apply what it is that you're teaching me. You're giving me truth. You're giving me counsel. I haven't been doing this. Now I see the wisdom in it. I'm going to motivate or move my life in such a way that I can apply the teaching. That's hearing and receiving. Now one, and also a second thing about godly character is a person who does not forsake teaching. They don't forsake it. They don't come in on a Sunday morning, if you will, and hear godly counsel or exposition and just run away. Just walk off back to the same life they were living before they came in. In a real sense, God's Word would have an effect upon our lives when we hear it and the Spirit of God sows it upon our hearts. It gets manifested that we received it in how we apply it once we walk out of the room. We don't Uh, reject it. We receive the instruction. We don't forsake it when it comes. Let me give you an example. There's a name in the Old Testament, Jeshurun. It's in Deuteronomy 32, 15. Jeshurun grew fat. That's what the text says. He grew fat and he kicked. 
It's like his flesh is so satisfied, he's kicking against anything that opposes him. It goes on. You grew fat, you grew stout, you grew sleek, and then he forsook God. I got all my flesh wants. Who needs God? He forsook God who made him. And then what did he do? He scoffed at the rock of his salvation. And then there's another one, and it's in reference to those in Jerusalem. This is Jeremiah 15, 6. And he says to those in Jerusalem, You have rejected me, declares the Lord. And notice what he says. You keep on going backward. So, so the, the, the instruction is coming, and, and they are forsaking. They keep going backwards. He says, so I've stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. He says, I'm weary of relenting. I'm done with it. Now you're just going to receive what you deserve because you've forsaken the teaching. And this is what Solomon is telling us. We hear and receive and do not forsake the mother's teaching. This is godly character. And I would submit to you that verse 9 has to do with a godly beauty that comes out of godly character. So there's a certain beauty that comes along with godliness. Let me give you a couple of verses to illustrate. In Proverbs 19.1, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. The poor person looks better than the one who's crooked. Then in Titus, I'm jumping to the New Testament, but you don't have to turn there, but it's a short verse, Titus 2.7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. Now, I believe there's a certain beauty to a young man who speaks truth, exercises humility, remains teachable, and lives in obedience to wise counsel. I don't know if names or people come up in your mind, but I can think about people I've related to in my life and have a certain respect. Teenagers, young children, young adults who have this type of countenance about them. They're respectful. They're submissive. When their parents speak a word of no, they receive a word of no, and they comply to the parent's instruction. When they have a sense of direction, they receive wise counsel, and they listen to those who are older or elder in their lives, and they say, you know what? They probably know more than I know. And then when they speak to people in the community or in the church, they say stuff like this. I know this is very foreign, but they say stuff like this. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay, sir. I remember one time saying yes, sir, to somebody. Don't call me sir. The only person called me. I'm like, look, dude, why don't you recognize that somebody's been taught to respect their elders? You see, there's something beautiful about that. And some of you, you understand what I'm saying because it's lost in our general culture. Consider, if you can't connect the dots, then consider the contrast. Here's what we say. That kid is a spalt brat. 
They always whining, always yelling, always complaining, and they're sitting under parents who are always threatening and that are never going to do nothing. And you don't even want to be around the kid because they just drive you crazy. You say, that's different than the one that looks beautiful. Then, or you might say something like that. Oh, I know what kind of kid that is. That's a Walmart. Right? You know the Walmart at the cashier line. I want candy, I want candy. You say that one more time, you're never getting anything. You do that, I'm going to give you a whooping. Nobody in the whole world believes you're giving that kid a whooping. And they leave there with their candy and never did what their parents said. A Walmart. Or they say, that kid lies, that kid cheats, that kid steals. He's always talking back to those over him. And Johnny over here, he's a school teacher. I'm sure he sees some of it at school. There's just kids that fit these descriptions, and you're like, I want to take that kid and wring their neck. They're not beautiful. But those with godly character have a godly beauty. And you're like, that's a good young man. That's a godly young woman. That's a beautiful thing. And this is the garland for your head. This is the pendants for your neck. So just simply an application I just ask the question rhetorically, what type of character are you? What evidence do you have that you hear instruction and that you do not forsake the law? ESV says forsake her teaching. The Hebrew word is Torah. You don't forsake the law. Or number three and last, let's make it simple. When you receive wise counsel to put Jesus and his church, the gospel, first, what do you do with that counsel? What do you do with that counsel? All right, moving on. Verses 10 through 16. So we had attraction, and now we have an attempt. And so 10 through 16, you start out in verse 10, if sinners entice. We could translate, if you like, when sinners entice. But this is going to happen and will happen to the end of your life. I'm not good at Hebrew. I'll readily admit that to anybody. So I do work with a Greek translation of the Old Testament. I know that's not probably the best thing to do, but at least it makes sense in my brain. But at least I know this about the Greek word. I only say that to say the Greek word here for entice. It is to call someone to go astray from a specific way. To lead someone astray, to cause someone to wonder, mislead someone, deceive one, to proceed without a proper direction or course, not knowing your destination. You're never going to arrive there. This is the word. In the Gospel of Matthew, I'll use this word in the text, this entice or to be led astray. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says stuff like this, see that no one leads you astray. There's going to be many that will come. I'm the Christ. I'm this. I'm this. And they will lead many astray. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. False Christ, false teachers will arise, perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Don't be led astray. Our second Peter, 2.15, forsaking the right way. They've gone astray. What'd they do? They followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor. You know what he loved? He loved gain from wrongdoing. That fits my text. Don't be led away. Don't be led astray. Don't 
buy into the enticement and the lure to get you to join with them. Stand your ground. Be a man. Be a woman. Know the Word of God. Thus says the Lord, I'm not going to partake. I'm giving you wise counsel now. If you would have resolved positions, a lot of the enticements wouldn't even happen. The problem is, is when you don't have a position, the temptations come, and you don't know where you stand, you become e- it becomes easier to lead you astray. I'll give you one example from my life, just in brief. In all of my years in a 4A high school, being on the basketball team and the varsity team from the 10th grade through, being the MVP my senior year, not once in my life was I ever invited to a party. Never. Why? Because it was a useless invitation because they knew I wasn't going. Save me all the struggles because no invitation was ever given. Hate alcohol, hate parties, hate godliness, not going. Resolve your positions or the enticements will twist on you. After this enticement, there's this entreaty, verses 11 through 13. And it's a simple phrase. Come with us. Come on. Come with us. We're going over here. Just a simple invitation. Look, we, we struggle, we look at a text in Proverbs and they're like lying in wait for blood, ambushing the innocent, swallowing them alive, like those who go down to the pit, and we're, we're going to do all this. And it's like, man, nobody's doing that. We're not being enticed and entreated to go out here and kill people. I don't know, let's make it where we are then. Come with me and let's bash other people on social media together. Come join our group. Join, get on our group list here as we bash the other churches, as we bash the other people over here, we bash the other people over here. Come and join in. I want to hear what you have to say in contradiction to them. Hey, I know. Come with me and let's mock other races. You don't think that's real? <laughs> the church I preached at last Sunday... Today, they have a a guy preaching there. And you know what the controversy is today? It's not theological, and it's not doctrinal. You know what Facebook has to say today about the visiting preacher? He's married to a black lady. Has the church come to this, that you're going to get a guy to preach here who's married to a black woman? That's what's on social media. He's like, come join and put in your two cents and take my side as we shed the blood of a black woman in gossip and slander about her color. Come come help us destroy families. Here's how we can do it. We'll take little girls in school and tell them to become boys, and we'll take little boys in school and we'll tell them to become girls, and we'll tell them that gender doesn't matter anymore. Come join. Let's take out any book in the library that presents a biblical position and let's infiltrate the position so strong that we'll get some drag queens to come in and read to our little six-year-old and tell them this is the way life ought to be. Come join us. Support us. Don't, Don't be against us. Come condone alcohol and say it's okay to have a little drink here and a little drink there. That way more people can die in drunk driving accidents and more marriages can end because alcohol leads to divorce. Come join the alcohol party. I know we'll get churches all over the world to say it's okay to drink. Join us as we destroy families through the godlessness of alcohol. Come, be silent 
Be silent and don't offend nobody. Don't say nothing about abortion. Don't say nothing about IVF. Don't say nothing about gays. Don't say nothing about gender. Don't say, just be quiet and stay at your church. Be a part of our group that says nothing and does nothing because we don't want to offend anybody. Come join us. That's the invitation. But it ramps up. Go down to 14. Throw in your lot. It was just an invitation to come and hang out. But what we really want is for you to throw your lot in with us. Become an equal partner. We'll share the spoil with you. Everything we get, we'll just break it up evenly. Just wear the shirt. Put the sticker on your car. Support our group. Cast in your lot. Sign our petition. Become a member of our group. Take, take a position on our team. Be one of us. And if you're one of us, and you will do what we do, believe what we believe, and support what we support. Cast in your life. It's not just the invitation. What they really want is for you to sell your soul to be a part of their agenda, their movement. Well, I say by example. I know I quoted it this morning, but let me give you two again. In contrast to the entreaty, blessed is the man who will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. I'm going to delight in the law of the Lord. It's my meditation all the day and all the night. That's the example we should follow as Christian. Or we could say something like this. The pressure of the entire nation says take this position against the Jews. That's what he say. And then you have this lady. She receives wise counsel from a guy named Mordecai. And she hears Mordecai, and she doesn't reject Mordecai's teaching. And she says, you know what? I will not walk in the way of Haman. And she says this, if I perish, then I perish. I'm going to stand my ground. No compromise. Not buying into the entreaty. I'm not coming with you. I'm not casting my lot in with you. I'm standing on the counsel I received from Mordecai. And if it means death, then death it shall be. I love women like that. The expectation here that you can expect, verse 16, their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. What can you expect 2023 Texas in America and the rest of the world is for sure? Here's what you can expect to face out there. You can expect a culture of death because that's what we live in. You have no regard for human life. You can expect a culture of an ongoing agenda to slaughter the church. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. What they really want is to get rid of the church and wipe it away in order that all of their agendas of godliness can flourish because the church is a thorn in the side of the world. And it's convicting, and so they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And if you'll stay in your building and be quiet and not say anything, Okay, that's fine, but if you come out here and try to do something, we're going to arrest you, we're going to come against you, we're going to sue you, we're going to do everything we can in order to silence you. 
That's what you can expect. You can expect a culture that strips man of his identity. We live in a, an age, you, you go on the computer and you've got to identify your gender. You want to go on a Strava account for cycling or you want to go on something else. You've got, you got like 400 choices to figure out what kind of gender you are and there's only two. It's like, which one do I pick? Not applicable? I mean, it's so, that's what you can expect. I go to the bank, I, can't, I just withdraw all of my money. I can't come to your bank anymore because if I go to your bank, you want to ask me questions about homosexuality. I'm not here to discuss morals with you. I just want you to put my money in and give me some interest. It's Azel, Texas. I leave the bank because you're asking me all these questions about these issues and I ain't having it. That's what you can expect. It's the world we live in. You can expect a culture that reeks of narcissism, resulting in the death of everything that does not gratify its selfish desires. That's what you can expect. So how would I apply these things? Well, I would say at least these ways, and there could be more. You're responsible for how you respond to the enticements of the world. Every individual here, you're responsible for your response to the world you live in. You can expect temptations to come throughout the entirety of your life. Every generation says they're in the worst generation. It's not going to change. You have numerous biblical examples of how to respond to pressure. Know them, apply them. You have a godless culture, and this should make your light shine brighter. Don't try to figure out how to hide your light. Figure out how to make it shine. And I don't know, we don't have time tonight, but Learn how to respond like the hymn writers. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. You got nothing I want, world. I'm resolved here that my satisfaction comes from a higher plane. So attraction, and then we had uh, attempt, an attempt to get us off track. Lastly, Asinine, verses 17 through 19, asinine. It's an interesting word. You may not use it very much. I couldn't figure out for the life of me how to spell it to look it up in Webster's Dictionary. It took me a while. But a simple definition, asinine means extremely or utterly foolish or silly. But there's like a hundred synonyms. And I'm not going to give them all to you. I just picked the ones that made me kind of smirk. Here's the synonyms of asinine, brainless, crackpot, cuckoo, feather-headed, half-baked, hair-brained, stupid, wacky, and witless. Asinine. So my next sub-point is this, bird brains. You say, bird brains? Well, it says a net spread on the side of any bird. Bird brains. So a bird has enough sense not to fly into a trap that's obviously set before it. Any hunter with any kind of sense would put camouflage or covering around it where the bird don't know it's a trap. But carnal people are such bird brains, and they're so asinine, if you will, that not only do they not conceal the trap, they get caught in the trap that they set. That's bad. I know John did some trapping up in New York, but if you get your foot in the trap that you set, that's asinine. Now, if you got caught in a trap you didn't know was there, that's a different story. You set it and put your foot in it. That's, that's just on you. You say, 
Do you have a biblical example? That might be funny, but do we have a biblical example? Well, surely we do. See if you can recollect this story. Then his wife, Zeresh. Anybody yet? You know all the movie stars on TV, but you don't know who Zeresh's husband is. Okay. His wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Build some gallows. Now it's coming clear. Make it 50 cubits high. And in the morning, tell the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. And man, Haman's like, this is a great idea. I'll build a trap right out here 50 cubits high that everybody can see. Later, Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. The king said, Hang him on that. The very trap he built is the one he hung and died upon. It's the nature of being asinine. And so, bird brain for sure. Secondly, and only two, busted. Busted. Carnal people, you look at our text, you have this vein, this net spread on any side of any bird. These men, they lie in wait. Notice now how it changed. Earlier it was other people. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They're self-destructive. They set an ambush for their own life. That's just foolish. This is the way of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. They they rob themselves of life. It takes away the life of the possessor. Carnal people play the lotto. They frequent the gambling house. And on the way home, they bemoan the loss of funds. You don't believe that. If you ever get a chance, I've done this once. Get on an airplane on the weekend that's flying to Vegas and observe the attitude in the plane. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's giggling. Going to Vegas, going to win some money. Everybody's having a good time. They're getting drinks. They're burning up their credit card before they get there. And they go do all their gambling. Didn't get on the plane with the same people coming home. Depressed, gone, bewailing their own stupidity. The world is trying to gain life by wrong means, enticing others to join them in their stupidity. It's as simple as this. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Here, taste that. No! I mean, I saw your face. I don't, I don't need it. No. But the world keeps doing that. In the end, the world looks just like Judas and Haman. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven: Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Jeremiah 6, 13. From the least to the greatest of them... Everyone is greedy for unjust gain. Habakkuk 2.9 Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. In an application, yeah, I don't know. It's like we all want to protect the athletes or something, but let's let it be said. A world of athletes pursuing a buck. I assure you, for many, it's about the money. 
will one day stand before a holy God and realize they're out of luck. You imagine you spent your whole life chasing a stupid football to get $456,000 billion million to play in a game in front of people that cheer for you, that don't care two cents about you, and as soon as you drop the ball, they hate you, and you did all that just to die and go to hell. That's just asinine. A world of carnality looking for self-fulfillment is going to stand before a holy God and be sentenced to hell where they will never obtain one desire that they desired. A world of people seeking recognition and relationships on social media stand before a holy God and he's never befriended them. And you say, there's people in the sports world that are Christian, you get the point. People who invest their lives for that type of fruitlessness will have a rude awakening on Judgment Day. In conclusion tonight, just some rhetorical questions, but who are you? What is your character? Are you beautiful in a godly way? It's this old, old story. It's not mine. But Paul Washer was preaching in this church. And, uh, and he says to the pastor, who is that lady? Who is that lady? And the pastor immediately knew who he was referring to because she was beautiful in a godly way. Her countenance just stood out. That's just Her persona was just clear that she was a woman who loved God. This, this is the way we ought to be. Are you, are you beautiful in a godly way? I mean, read Peter. Is, it, is all you got is a bunch of paint for your face and earrings and nose rings and tongue rings and short dresses and halter tops in order to try to get people to look at your flesh? That ain't pretty. It's ugly on every account. Godliness looks like my grandmother. That's what it looks like. And my grandmother's beautiful. She is all four foot ten and little bitty, and she was godly. And she was beautiful to be around. Oh, that you'd be that way. Do you go with the tempter when he knocks at your door? Will your, refi- will your epitaph read, Here lies Mr. or Mrs. Asinine. It's the Lord Jesus who is our example. We referred to the scene in the Gospels when the devil brought forth temptation toward Christ. Christ was not enticed by him. He did not go with him. He did not cast in his lot with him. And the whole scene shows the wisdom of Christ in dealing with temptation. You and I are to have faith in Christ and to imitate him in all things. He alone is sufficient to help us overcome all temptations. You no longer have, as a Christian, you do not have to submit to the devil's temptations. But we are now empowered This is the greatest wisdom I can give you tonight. I don't know. It's hard for people to understand. And it's very complicated, but you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to know Hebrew. And you don't have to know Greek or anything to get this counsel. Come with us. Cast your lot with us. No. No. I ain't doing it. Well, I'm not going to talk to you no more. Okay. I ain't doing it. No. Say no. By the power of the Spirit of God, look them in the eye and say, no, 
I'm not going drinking. No, I'm not wasting three hours of my life playing this video game. No, I'm not doing this. No, I'm not going to be a part. You're not going to have any friends. Welcome to my world. But I've got Christ, and Christ has me, and he is sufficient. Say no. Resolve some positions. It'll make your life a whole lot simpler. It really will. I've said it a thousand times over, and I guess I just keep saying it. But even with church, it's pretty stinking simple. We're going to church. Your wife had a baby Friday. Yeah, well, let's go to church so the people can see the baby. We're going to church. It's our position. I don't feel good. I remember preaching in Illinois at Brett Beasley's home church, and I preached for 15 minutes, went out the door and threw up. Preached another 15 minutes, went out and threw up. Preached another 15 minutes and went out and threw up. That's how I preached the whole sermon, at a revival meeting. Why? It's it's church day. We've already made our decision. It's already been resolved. Come hell or high water, if it's possible, five foot of snow, 20-degree weather, 950-degree heat weather, guess what? It's the Lord's day, not mine. Resolve your position and don't be pulled away. I got company in my house and get out of my house because we're going to church. It's just the way it is. What else would they possibly expect? The Lord is primary. His church is primary. Father in heaven, thank you for Solomon. Thank you for wisdom. Help us, help me to hear and to not reject sound teaching. Lord, help us, give us strength. Help us to take responsibility, not to go with the world, not to cast in our lots with the world. Save us from living an asinine life. Help us to be wise and to take resolved biblical positions and live them out in daily, everyday situations at work, in our families, wherever we go, that Christianity would be real because it's real in our hearts. And even this night, oh, that we would hear and oh, that we would not forsake the teaching of your word. Bless these people, encourage them. They have many trials, many struggles, many temptations. We need great help and we can't do it on our own. And so we ask for your help to give us the strength to live this week. If you grant it to us, that we would live in such a way that you would receive glory and it would work out for our good. And so we pray these things tonight by your Spirit in Christ's name. Amen.